0: listening to the Jim Laird show on Body IO FM where health and performance collide with your host Jim Laird Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Laird show brought to you by Body IO FM I'm your host Jim Laird Today I'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant about one of my big pet peeves, uh, the actual fitness industry. And I think the fitness industry is one of the main reasons why most Americans just don't even wanna try to improve their health and overall fitness. Uh, I deal with this constantly at the gym when I have uh, people come in for an assessment orientation. They're almost scared to death because they've usually gone somewhere else, uh, worked out with somebody, uh, and they, you know, after their first workout, they couldn't walk for a week or two. Uh, or they've watched The Biggest Loser or they've seen some sort of uh, um, celebrity trainer and the stuff that they're doing and, the, and some of the diets that they're doing to try and lose weight. And I think it really discourages people from taking care of themselves because they're like, well, what the hell do I even need to bother, you know? And if people, if the average American knew how easy it was to look good and feel good. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, training at a high level or being a professional athlete. Uh, the majority of people in this country have no interest in that. Uh, most people just want to play with their kids, and they want to feel good, and they want to look decent naked. Um, it's really pretty simple, and uh, I'm going to go over, you know, I've got a, a large number of clientele that I've had since 2001, and I'm going to go through kind of what I've noticed uh is the keys to success for looking good and feeling good, which you don't really hear about in the fitness industry. All you see in the fitness industry is like, you know, six pack abs and, you know, bigger deadlift, bigger bench, which is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But the majority of people in this country, uh, don't need that. Um, uh, and we're going to go over lifestyle and, and diet and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, when people first come to me, um, to talk to me about working out. You know, a lot of the people are frustrated, they've been somewhere else, they're burned out. I get either two extremes. I get people that are basically trashed because they've been burning the candle at both ends plus trying to train at a high level and they're burned out. Or I get the person that just hasn't, has just let the wheels come off the wagon and they're at square zero. And the people that are at square zero are usually a little easier to convince, to, uh, to buy into the plan. The people that have burned the candle at both ends are a little more difficult to work with because they've been managing stress with exercise. And when they stop exercising so much uh, mentally, they they have a hard time dealing with that. And so we have to kind of work through that. But, you know, when people come in and uh, we run them through like the first session, it's something really simple. We do some real simple stuff on the floor just to see, to see how they move. And then we might end with, you know, depending on what kind of orthopedic issues they have, like some prowler pushes and some carries, just to kind of get them moving. And we explained to them that we're starting slow because one of the things that I think that's overlooked is GPP, you know, is you have to get in shape in order to train and training is a stress. And if you take someone who's out of shape and you take someone who's basically has no level of preparedness, which is the average American, and you throw them into high intensity, they might get some results for a little while, but most of the time they're going to get frustrated. They're going to get hurt. They're not going to come back or their body's just not going to adapt very well. It's kind of going to adapt in a, in a positive way. So you want to start out real slow. And, and honestly, for the first couple of weeks with people that are really out of shape or have a lot of excess body fat, the workouts are maybe 15, 20 minutes. And uh, The main work is convincing them to walk daily or do something active daily. It doesn't have to be insane. It could be ultimate Frisbee. It could be golf. It could be, you know, anything depending on their activity level. But daily activity is the key, you know, working out super hard once or twice a week and then sitting on your ass all day is not a good long-term strategy. And then educating them about food. Um, You know, people argue to their blue in the faith about food and about calories and about all that good stuff. But, you know, if we look at traditional cultures, you know, you've got, you know, like the Eskimos who 90% of their diet was fat and protein. And you've got Catawans, you've got some hunter gatherer tribes in South America that, you know, are eating more fruits and vegetables. But, I think we could all agree that most Americans eat way too much refined starch. You know, I have a coffee shop next door to the gym, and I just I go in there in the morning to get my coffee with my heavy, heavy whipping cream, uh, and I just it amazes me the people that are having their latte, mocha, double shot of whatever, uh, you know, 400 grams of sugar with a bagel with cream cheese. Um, or eating croissants or whatever else. And at every meal they're having a bread product. I mean, it's like that for breakfast, sandwich for lunch, and then for dinner, it's who knows, pizza, whatever. And, or they're eating like yogurt and carrot sticks and celery all the time. And they're not eating any real food. Um, Even if, you know, if you make the argument that some of these hunter-gatherer tribes have a higher carbohydrate consumption than they did, those carbohydrates they're eating are nothing like the carbohydrates that are available today. Even if you ate fruits and vegetables, fruits and vegetables today are nothing like the fruits and vegetables in the wild or 100, 100 150 years ago because they've bred the apples and the potatoes and all these things to be bigger and sweeter and tastier than they have been in the past. You know, I spend a lot of time in the woods and I eat a lot of wild berries and 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 you know the odd, you know you come across the odd apple tree in, in the forest and stuff like that. They don't taste anything like the the fruit, you know, the strawberries that you get in the store. They're kind of tart, they're kind of bitter. You know, so if you go back in time and look at these traditional cultures, like a straight sugar source like honey is not something that's going to come along very often. So getting people to understand that they need to drastically reduce their refined carbohydrate consumption, that doesn't mean that they don't eat any carbs. But at the very least, if they're going to eat some refined carbs, don't eat them at every meal. Eat them at night. That's you know one of the reasons I like carb night so much is because it's simple. Uh, you know, getting a protein and fat source in first thing in the morning, um, you know, eating protein and fat, helping to reduce your appetite. And if you're eating starch at every single meal, especially refined starches, you know, not vegetables, it's going to be hard for you to stop eating. You're going to turn into a human vacuum cleaner. But if you start eating fats and proteins and vegetables, um, your appetite's going to auto-regulate itself, um. And, and, you know, even with athletes, you know, Fred Hatfield um, talked about this on one of Rob Wolf's podcasts. He said, you know, the way he does his eating or did his eating was on the days he trained really hard, he ate more. And the days he didn't train so hard, he ate less. And uh, Charles Poliquin always talks about how you need to earn your carbohydrates. And I, I, I really agree with Charles on that point. It's, it's, we've overcomplicated nutrition. And, and getting people to understand that if they don't have metabolic flexibility, in my opinion, like if you can't skip a couple meals without feeling like you're gonna eat your arm or you're start sweating, um, you know, cause your blood sugar drops, that's not a good thing. You should be able to go a couple meals without eating because you, a couple hundred years ago, you don't can't go to the fridge and just get whatever you want or you might not eat for a day or two and our bodies are designed To be able to handle that and so if you can't handle skipping a meal or two you might want to work on your metabolic flexibility a little bit so getting people to eat and then getting people to be mindful and to slow down and to actually deal with themselves because let's face it most people are dealing with stress in their life with one they could you know and some things are more positive than others you know you could deal with your stress through your job like you know you don't like yourself so you work your ass off in your job to try and get some self-worth or some people will feed their face, you know, to make themselves feel better or they'll drink or they'll gamble or they'll watch porn or they'll have sex or whatever. Um, And there's some things society is like, you know, if people are addicted to exercise and using that to basically make them feel better about themselves, people are like, oh, that's awesome. You know, even though you got shin splints and your back hurts and you've had, you know, several knee surgeries and your neck hurts and your shoulder hurts, but, you know, just keep training hard. Um, and that's that's totally fine if you choose to do that. But getting people to be aware of what they're doing and what they're eating, and so they don't become a human vacuum cleaner. Um, and, and Rob Wolf is actually coming out with a, a book on the neuroregulation of appetite. And you know, if you're eating these refined carbs all the time, um, it's going to mess with your body's ability to regulate your appetite, which is why a lot of people can't stop eating. And then also making sure that your food is high in nutrition, you know, has high level of nutritional density so that your body gets what it needs. So it will actually, okay, I'm full instead of, you know, most people that are obese, if you test them, you know, you test their, their vitamin and nutrient levels that they're non-existent, but they have an excess of calories, but they aren't getting any nutrition. So that's very important as well as attacking the lifestyle part of it, the walking, the meditation, the mindfulness part. That is the, what I put most of my stress on. And then in the beginning, what we work on is developing work capacity, getting them moving around in a way that their heart rate isn't racing through the ceiling to build that capacity so they can handle harder training. And then focusing on mastering basics, mastering a basic squat, a basic hinge. And not everybody going to be able to deadlift. Um, maybe we deadlift them off a block. We deadlift them with a kettlebell. Uh, you know somebody who's really incapable maybe a wall sit mastering being able to stand on one foot you know basic stuff like that um, you know controlling the core being able to control your middle um, you know carries and, and, and pushes and, and single arm overhead stuff And it doesn't necessarily have to be with a barbell it could be with a landmine it could be with a dumbbell uh, it could be like a pullover but getting people to learn how to use their core, getting people to be able to do like a single leg hinge and then eventually single leg work, and building this base in the sagittal plane until you introduce more complicated training. And that's going to take time. And most people, even athletes that I work with, they haven't mastered the fundamentals. And if you have an athlete that has not mastered the fundamentals, if you do the fundamentals with them, They are going to do extremely well and they're going to improve. But guess what? That basics don't sell. Like if you have a product and it's about pushing the prowler, doing a carry and a bear crawl, people aren't going to buy that because it's not fancy. Um, You know, people want fancy and, and fancy doesn't necessarily work. You have to establish a baseline of preparedness and then you have to hammer the basics. And then once you have the basics down, then you can kind of work on doing some flashy stuff from time to time. Um, the people that I've had for the longest, um, have trained twice a week with weights and maybe finish with a little bit of conditioning, you know, short five minute deal. Um, and they walk every day, they're active and they eat real food and they focus on getting their sleep. They make that kind of stuff a priority and they've done phenomenally well. My 90 year old client works out with me. I've put some stuff about him on Facebook here recently, twice a week for 30 minutes, super simple stuff, get on the floor, we're pushing things, we're dragging things, we're, you know, making him get up off the ground, you know, and stand up and get back down, get off off the ground. It's not super complicated, but he's been consistent. That's the thing. Is the exercise that you're going to give somebody something they can do for the rest of their life when they have a busy schedule, when they've got all these other things going on, you know, Signing them up for five days a week is not going to be sustainable. Now, if you got somebody who's got like a goal where they have to perform and, you know, they're getting ready for a movie or, you know, there's exceptions to that. But the vast majority of people, if they just lifted weights twice a week and lifted within their ability and they left the gym knowing they could have done a little bit more and they built, they challenge themselves a little bit once they build a little bit of a base and they eat real food and they walk that's really all there is to it. And if more people understood that, like I can't tell you how many people I've worked with like a month or two in and they've dropped sizes or they've dropped weight and they're like, gosh, this is so easy. I mean, I can eat decent food and I'm not killing myself in the gym and I go for a walk every day. If I knew this was so simple, I would have done it years ago. And that's the sad thing about it is is most people don't understand how easy this is for the vast majority of people to get an improvement it does not take that much and it's not that complicated but you know the media makes it complicated and you know the internet makes it complicated because there's so much information out there people just get overwhelmed and then they see you know people getting beat to death on the biggest loser and yes they lose weight but guess what you know three years later they're 100 pounds more than when they started so that's basically the bottom line. The gist of it is keep things simple. Do something that's sustainable for you for the rest of your life. And then once you have a foundation, if you want to compete in a powerlifting meet or if you want to, you know, run a 5K or you want to do that sort of thing, that's perfectly fine. Um, but if your goal is just to look good and feel good, there's no need to do anything extraordinary or crazy or Extreme. It's just basic fundamental stuff, challenge yourself, and if you do that consistently over a long period of time and you pick something that you can do consistently for a long period of time, in the long run, you are gonna come out way ahead of the game. So there's my little rant. I know it's short and sweet, but sometimes that's good. I've got some really cool stuff coming up here soon. I actually got my brain mapped. I know Tim Rogers uh, was on my show uh, a couple episodes ago and talking about neurofeedback. I've had some pretty significant um, head traumas in my past, especially in college football. Uh, And then my my childhood was not what we'd call what we'd say pleasant. I have a super good relationship with my parents finally right now after years of of work. Uh, So I don't want to get into details about that, but I I had a, a very uncomfortable upbringing um, and that has affected my ability to use my my brain they did find a brain which is very positive and encouraging but I'm going to be doing I'm going to have um, Tim Rogers and and Ginny on Ginny I, I can't remember Jenny's last name off the top of my S- Sloan I think it is I, I think we're going to have them on and we're going to talk about the questionnaire I took and some of the things that I struggle with uh, and what the, I start my neurofeedback stuff, uh, this week. So by the time this comes out, I'll be working on that. So I'm going to talk about a lot of the stuff, uh, that I struggle with because it's pretty interesting because, you know, I went through and talked with Ginny about some of the things I struggle with in my, in my life and, and organization and, 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 uh, planning and, and, and things like that. And because of what I've got going on in my noggin, I'm going to struggle with those things. She's like, it doesn't matter how hard you try to fix this stuff. It's just not going to work until you make your brain work a little more efficiently. It's kind of like the body. It doesn't matter how hard you try and you know squat right or deadlift, right? If your core isn't working right, and you don't know how to activate it. You're not going to be able to do the movement. Your body's just going to cheat your way through it. It's kind of the same thing with the brain. If your brain isn't working efficiently or if it's stuck in a certain pattern, you're not going to be able to do these things as well. So, It's going to be, I'm really excited about giving this a shot and seeing how it affects my, um, my day to day ability to, you know, run a business and and all that sort of stuff. And I've been very successful at it, but there's a lot of things in the business on the admin side that I have just absolutely struggled with. Um, and a lot of it is due to this pattern that I'm stuck in. So it's going to be kind of cool to see that. And I'm kind of excited to share, uh, the results, um, of that with you so hopefully some of you that are struggling with certain things might explore that as an option I I know I've had a couple people reach out to me about the Tim Rogers show about talking about head trauma and stuff that have reached out to me and said hey I went and got help and man it's it's saved my marriage or it's made a huge difference in my sleep or my job and um, that's really cool Uh, you know that's the reason I do this I do this to try and get information out there and make people think and and get people to try different things um, and see if they can, you know, approach things from maybe a different angle that they haven't thought of before. Um, so that's that's coming up here very soon. Uh, I'm excited about that. Um, float tank at the gym is going really well. I'm actually recording this while someone's floating, and that's been very positive for me uh, to get in there. It's kind of weird. I, I've discovered that um, I can't float before I train people because it relaxes me so much that when I could get out of the tank and go to train people I get anxiety so I have to float after work uh, or sleep in it at night but I can't float so if you're you're thinking about trying to float uh, and you want to try it uh, make sure you don't do it like on a day you have like a big presentation or something because you need kind of a transition time uh, because to go from one extreme to the other so if you have to go from like being stupid relaxed to like being alert and really functional. You you might need a couple hours or a day to kinda, so you wanna float either after you've done something very strenuous, uh, especially if it's the first time. Once you kinda learn how to react to it, uh, you'll be able to go. But if you're gonna float for the first time, I, I would suggest that you do it at a time where you have plenty of transition time just don't do it like before a major board meeting presentation or something like that. And you might not uh, you might not handle it uh, quite as well as you normally would because it, it's such an extreme, uh, it's hard to explain unless you've done it. It's, it's such an extreme chill out that it, it's kind of a little bit of a shock at first because most people haven't experienced that kind of relaxation uh, ever in their life. So that's going well. So I'm excited to keep you updated on that. And the gym overall is doing very well. Uh, we're busy as always. We've got, you know, athletes coming in and out of season. And we've got, uh, you know, we pick up new people all the time. And we've got our, our current clientele that, that uh, you know, continues to train with us. And we're very grateful for that. And uh, so very excited about that. And uh, if you guys have any suggestions for, you know, guests that you'd like me to interview or any more feedback, I've really appreciated the feedback I've got about the show. And yeah. Uh, I want to do my best to try and give you guys some some great content. So thanks again for listening. And once again, uh, please support Kiefer so I can continue to do the show. I'm very grateful for him allowing me to do this show on his channel. So until we speak again, have a great night or day. Listening to The Jim Laird Show with your host, Jim Laird. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. Don't miss the next episode of The Jim Laird Show when he'll probably say something inappropriate but unexpectedly insightful.